2: I'm in Spokane, Washington.
1: Oh yeah, are you a lifer there?
2: Um, no. I, I mean, it's hard because I moved back here for my family. I lived in New York for four years, and I moved back because of my family. But ultimately, like, I don't want to live here forever. But like, I don't know if that I could ever leave them. I don't know. We'll see. Uh,
0: I bet you're. Uh, I bet you're sleeping in a little bit these days. All of a sudden, aren't you?
2: I am, and it's incredible because I wake up at like four every day, and so it's so nice to actually sleep
1: in. Why are you up at four?
2: Um, I coach group classes at 5 a.m. every day. Well, Monday through Friday, like Saturday, Sunday, I don't, but yeah.
0: You're preaching to the choir here with Kirk. It's true. We're on the same schedule, Alyssa.
2: Yeah, some days are rough, but um, I wouldn't trade it for anything.
0: What are you doing with your time right now?
2: Well, right now it's actually really busy, or I'm really busy, I should say. I'm pretty good at filling up my schedule, um, but just like making workouts for my clients, for getting together with my group class, um, and just trying to make like workout posts of my own, and trying to give people like home workouts and stuff, um, so there's a lot, and training of course, like I have so much tra- time to train now, I gotta be really careful, <laughs> that I don't overdo it, <laughs> um, yeah. so just a lot of that for now, and then, then we'll see, I imagine it'll kind of die down just a little bit, but. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I thought it was going to be uh, like a foot off the gas pedal situation for me as well. But when I realized that every client now needs a new plan yes. and what to yeah. do, I've been scrambling yeah. like crazy these last three days. Yeah. Bracken knows that. We tried to schedule some things and I haven't been able to make it work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's crazy what people in certain industries have to do now to adapt. Otherwise, you're just unemployed.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at, which is, I mean, Chelsea's working, which is nice. But um, yeah, it's been interesting to find like, okay, like what can we do now? Like just new modalities of doing stuff and, you know, trying to keep all the spirits alive. But yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, our last podcast we just released was about uh, training through the lack yeah. of normal- normalcy in our lives. And I'm curious to know what your strategy is. We had talked that some people are going to get healthy and relax, like Woods had talked about how he's taking an off season and some people are going to build like crazy. Uh, what, what, what are you doing?
2: Well, I kind of just had my off period. I got sick. Um, I didn't have Corona. I had uh, influenza A, so (laughs) I was not, I was not infected, but, um, so I had a good week there where I did absolutely nothing. And I just physically couldn't. And then the next week after that, I kind of took off too. It was just some like easy strength work and easy running and stuff. So I've pretty much had two weeks off up until this week. And so I'm just in the mindset of like, let's get after it kind of thing. And just kind of really making use of this time personally. But I know there's a lot of people who should probably take this time off. Like, so I think um, it's going to be just kind of where you're at and like what your goals are, I guess. But yeah, for me, I'm going to get after it.
1: For all those people complaining that the, the series is too long. There yes. you go. <laughs> I
2: know. It's amazing. It's like, and I kind of maybe hope it shows us that maybe we don't need to have such a long season. I don't know. We'll see. But
0: if there's a time to get the flu, I guess you kind of got it race wise, kind of at the best time, didn't you? I did.
2: Even like, even if I would have been racing after those next three weeks, like it came at the perfect time. So I was, uh pretty thankful for that (laughs) even though it sucked
1: (laughs) are you working on anything specific during this time with this extra mini offseason you've been granted
2: um i kind of got asked that from one of my one of the guys i coached last night and just kind of he was just like what's what is your mentality right now and I was like I don't know I hadn't really thought of it at first I was just kind of like sweet I get all this time to train but I guess I know you guys talked in the podcast of like working on your weaknesses during this time and I think that's brilliant and so I think I'm gonna just sit down today and just kind of assess all that and just kind of what I want to accomplish and it it's hard because like we don't know when the next race is gonna be so you can't really like be like okay this is my six-week block for such and such race um so I don't know. I think... um I've just been kind of like working a lot on like strength stuff. Um, so I'm going to continue that and just try to get just really strong. Um, but I'm also still working back into running and I'm going to try to run 30 miles on my birthday. So this is almost perfect. So I can just add a lot of, a lot of miles cause I'm turning 30. So um, Woo. yeah, that was my whole, uh whole, whole big goal there. So I can also kind of just work up into that as well. And like, I, you know, I don't really have anything now coming after that. So it's, it shouldn't, shouldn't really hurt me at all. So yeah. Um, So, yeah, just working on strength stuff and um, just trying to get a lot of miles in. But um, also I'm going into the stadium series this year and DECA and all that kind of stuff. So just trying to figure all that out. I'm like – I have zero speed right now, and it's almost embarrassing. (laughs) And, uh, like, my my 1,000-meter splits are – I'm running the same pace at my 500 meter splits as my thousand meter. Like, oh. um, so that's like I'm like this is just bad. So, um, so really just trying to work on speed too. Um, that's that's going to be big for me. It's just getting really fast. So.
0: Is is that the so you say you know you're working you're going to focus on your weakness? Is that what you consider your weak weakness right now?
2: Yeah, that, yeah. I guess now that we've been talking about it, I would say yes, that is my weakness um, because I haven't. Yeah, I haven't really been able to run since like last May and I have been now, you know, since like December-ish. But um, in the years before that, it was like when I was training with – I was coaching with Mark and we worked a ton on speed. And that was probably my fastest I've ever been. And now seeing myself where I'm at, I'm like, okay, I have a long ways to go. So, yeah, def- definitely speed is going to be going to be the focus and then trying to run 30 miles.
1: <laughs> well, I, w- I was unaware that you've been hobbled since May, what happened yeah
2: so I it's just the stupidest injury of all time like it's just it really is so um, my I was um, what was I doing uh, I was gonna do the ski to sea race it was on Memorial Day weekend. And it was just a fun thing. It's a big, long, huge, huge relay race of a bunch of different things. And I was, we were over in Bellingham and I don't know if you guys know that the Cascades are over there and just like incredible, incredible running. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go run in these mountains. I can't wait. And on the way down, I got this really sharp pain in my TFL and it was just nothing like, it wasn't anything that like, you know, um, I don't know. It, It was pretty just like acute. And I just like, it was, it hurt to walk. It hurt to do anything. And I, I just kind of chalked it up to like, oh, it's just, you know, it'll take like a couple weeks and I'll be fine. I can just train through it. And it just did not go away, like just incredibly painful to run on. And um, so it's just been this long battle of, I didn't run all summer. Like the first time I ran was on think- or, uh, uh, Thanksgiving, because every time I tried to come back, it was just too soon, too soon. And it would just like re-aggravate it. And it was just, it's just this nagging, stupid little thing and so it still kind of was dealing with it you know a couple of weeks here and there and um but but now i'm good i mean i'm not like perfect back in running shape but um it's it's been a lot better and i'm just trying to be smart about it so
0: can you tell people where the tfl is so they know what you're talking about
2: yeah I, yeah exactly like no one even knows what this muscle yeah, is yeah. and it turns out it's like actually plays a really huge part in running so um if you're wearing jeans um, it's basically right on that, that, that pocket, your hip right at the top. It, it connects into your it band. So it's the very top right there. Um, and then connects to, yeah all the way down into your it ba- or sorry, it's the very top of your it band. And then it, it goes all the way down. And, um, so when I'm doing all of this running and not, not focusing on um, you know any like glute work or and I'm really, really bad at recovery. so it's this is all my faults, really. <laughs> it was just like a a buildup of really bad just like running and not recovering and just not being smart. And, yeah, so glutes were not active at all. and I, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like it took me it, it sounds so stupid, but it took me forever to like find my glutes because they just like were not working. Like even if I was doing like glute bridges or donkey kicks or whatever, like, it was just my hamstrings that were working or something else. And I did have a huge hamstring issue in 2018 that um, uh, injured me quite a bit, like towards the end of the season. Um, and so I think it's always been the glutes pretty much. So that's been a, a big focus over the last couple months. But that seemed to have helped a lot, like once I finally found them. And it's so dumb. Like, someone was asked me about it the other day. She was like, how did you know when you found your glutes? And I was like, well, I guess like when I was – so I was doing squats one day and I remember like – my lower back was killing me and my quads were killing me. And I was like, what is going on? And I later on kind of realized like, now I can actually feel my glutes working in a squat, you know, like it's just those little things. And if you're not, if you don't really know how the body works and you're not paying attention to it, um, you know, you don't really know, like you don't know what you don't know. And so um, it's been a really like hard, but really cool journey of like just figuring out, I guess a lot more how the body works. And like, I think a lot more people, then I realized kind of have this problem too. So it's been kind of cool to be able to to show them that.
0: I feel like our, I feel feel like our bodies are really good at like facilitating our weaknesses. Like they're really good at like working around our little issues. And pretty soon that's becomes the way we like track and move. And then suddenly you have this big blown up issue like you do. And that's like how every chronic injury starts.
2: Yes, exactly. Like you don't even know it's coming, and then bam, there it is. And you're like, Hmm. what's going on? Like I've been like, yeah, I wasn't even doing anything serious. It was an easy run. And so.
1: I like hearing about you discovering your glutes because I had to go through that same thing. When I was in Colorado uh, training mountains, I, I just couldn't make my, I couldn't climb from my, my butt. Yes. You know, I was running off quad and calf. And what I had to do, kind of like you, is I had to, I worked on power hiking. I'd find the steepest grade I could, I'd power hike, and I had to have my hands on each butt cheek. Yeah. Because if I felt my (laughs) finger, my hands on it, then I could make that muscle move. Totally. I could only do it if there was like this tactile sense there. If I took my hands off, I couldn't tell if I was doing it or not. And so I just, power hike up the incline or up whatever I was working on with both hands just glued to my butt cheeks until I could like guarantee they were firing.
2: Yep. That is a real thing. And I have totally done that exact same thing. You got to be like, okay, this is the muscle we want to work brain. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's bizarre. If you dive into that though. So we have like our, our piriformis, which is like the runner's muscle, which I call like your side butt. Right. Mm -hmm. And that really contracts hard. I feel like when you walk or when you run and then you have like your your ass, like the bulk yeah. of your butt. What are we talking about here? Like your butt cheeks? Is that what we're talking about? Or are we talking about the piriformis, which is a little higher?
2: Um, I would say it's kind of the whole complex, really. I, For me, I yeah. think it was mostly the glute max, like just the big, okay. big meat there. Um, and But it was all of it. It was also working on my, my – the glute medius is huge, too, because it's just – that small muscle that you just kind of forget about and I never did like any of that sort of work and I know that if if that's also weak then the TFL is going to kind of take over they kind of go go hand in hand from what I what I found out but um but yeah so and once it's funny like one day I think it was in like December-ish or something and um my family was like because I've always never had a butt like it's just been this running joke that I've never had a butt and I was just doing all this glute work and finally one day my family was like is it weird? Like, I think your butt's gotten bigger. Like, not, not that it's like big by any means, but it's actually there now. Like I actually have a butt. So <laughs> that's been nice.
0: The biggest compliment you've ever received in your life.
2: Right. I know. <laughs> I, I feel like I've made it.
0: That's right. And you want to hear it from your family.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. <I> <laughs> right. <laughs> like my yeah. aunt was like, uh,
0: <laughs> but that's the most genuine kind, I suppose. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I feel like, I guess, yeah, I've, I've kept up with your social and feel like you've been battling through some stuff uh lately as you just mentioned when was when was the last time you felt fully healthy and racing to your potential
2: Mm, I felt I don't know it's probably not my potential yet um in New York when I did that first high rocks race I almost wasn't going to do it because I was still kind of feeling that and maybe I was just paranoid about it just kind of that nagging feeling because like it's funny once you have that injury for so long or something that's been like just bugging you and nagging at you, it's almost like, it's just like mentally there sometimes. And so I felt like New York, I was like, I don't know if I should do it. And it was a couple days before that I was still going to go anyways, but it was a couple days before that I was like, screw it. Like I'm going over there. I'm going to do it anyways. And I felt phenomenal in that race. Um, but my running was just like super slow because I wasn't able to do a whole lot of it. Um, so I would say like, I've been healthy in that. And then in Chicago, but Potentially wise, like I don't think I'm anywhere close still. I think I still have a, a long ways to go because, because um, yeah, I mean, obviously my speed's just not still there. So, you know.
1: well, they say what, roughly 10 years of good solid high-end training to hit your aerobics ceiling.
2: Yeah, it's a long time. And I, I'm hoping that, you know, especially because I got into the game so late, I feel like I was never a runner that I still have. Um, a lot of potential to, to climb to, so we'll see. Well,
0: let's talk about that actually. So uh, you played softball collegiately, like pretty high level softball, right?
2: Yeah, I well, I started at a junior college um, over here in, in North Idaho, and then um, I went over and played in uh, Stony Brook U- Stony Brook University in New York, and that was D one D one softball. Um, I never intended to play college softball. Like I I like softball enough, but I never I don't know I just never really thought about it and then I randomly got picked up by that junior college and then randomly again they were like there was just kind of like this pipeline that um, players had gone over to New York and one of my friends on the team was already going over there and they needed another center fielder so they were like hey what about Alyssa she looks like she's doing well and so that's kind of how I got to go there I wasn't like really actively looking to go anywhere I, I don't know I've never really just had this like plan of like this is where I want to go it's always just kind of been like just going with the flow in a way, um, but yeah, just crazy how things turned out. And then when I was over in, so yeah, I played softball there. And then after I was done with softball, I was like, I never want to work out again. Like people get, you know, because like that was like my job. Like was going to practice and training and all that. And so I just took like I don't know, maybe a year or two like hiatus of not really doing a whole lot. And then um, realized I kind of like needed that that physical activity and that competition, and I really just missed that a lot. And then. Found that New York Stadium race in race's history.
1: People who haven't competed at a D one level, I don't think understand that at that point you're not exercising and you're not playing. Yes, you're just you're just working.
2: Exactly, it was was definitely a full time job for sure. Um, Just go to school, you know, go to practice twice a day, and pretty much it. (laughs) Well,
0: and you know, and you look back at that because we were all collegiate athletes. Like you think about how impressive getting through all that with, and even like getting your grades and everything, like we would have to travel all day on Fridays, miss class on Fridays, be at a meet or an event on a Saturday, come back and do that schedule for like four years.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is. It's a lot. And I think we almost did more sometimes in our junior college at D1 sometimes. Like it was, you know, that was no joke. It was, it was just the same. So
0: man, Bracken, did you go through a phase after college where you were like, I am not doing shit for a while?
2: No, because I,
1: I think it was because of the D3 approach. I finished up at D3. I started D1, but I finished up D3. And that was, it was like a, it was like the club med of, <laughs> of running where we had fun. Practices yeah. were hard, but every other part of our day was fun and our life wasn't scripted around running. And yeah. so I came out excited to still like work out and compete. I, my I came out worried that I wasn't going to find my next outlet for my competitive nature rather than coming out burnt out. Because it wasn't a forty-hour-a-week job for me, it was ten hours a week and a lot of fun stuff in between. So I think I was fortunate in
0: that regard. Oh, huh, lucky you! <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> lucky you,
0: Alyssa, what uh, what was the result of your first stadium race back in what year was it? That was in uh,
2: April of twenty fifteen or May somewhere in there.
0: Okay, um, what what happened there? How'd that go?
2: Well, I I didn't even know what to expect. The reason I found it on a Groupon one day because I just kind of wanted something to. I was like, I've been working all this hard, I've been doing all my workouts, I feel like I'm really in shape, like I wanted something to to go and do, and I just signed up for the Open, because I didn't even know what it was, like I loved the Mets, and I loved going to, to baseball games there, and I was like, what a cool idea, like they're putting obstacles, and you can kind of go and basically tour the stadium, and so I just signed up for Open, but when I, when I looked up my um, results, like when I was there, I realized I got uh, first place and for females in the whole open which I was like, wow, that was really cool like not that it was like a huge deal because at the time like it was um the podiums were going on and I could hear all the times for the women and stuff that that were happening and I was like, I think I could do that like I think I could maybe go and race with the elite women and um so yeah, it was just kind of that seed that was planted right there and um, just kind of made me hungry for more and to see kind of what my what I could do
1: I've never heard that story I I thought your first race was out on the West Coast. I didn't realize you did an open race first. That's awesome. Yeah,
2: I do kind of consider um, – I've always kind of considered that as my first race. I mean because stadiums are just so much different. Um, not not that it wasn't – I'm not like um, – discrediting them or anything like that. But when I went I did the Washugo race in August of twenty fifteen and that was an NBC race at the time. So when I showed up there was like cameras on Rose and Amelia and all that. And I was like, oh my gosh, all the pros are here. This is so cool. And that was my first elite wave. And it just totally rocked my world because it was so different. Like I didn't even know what I was getting into and it was so incredibly hard. And just because there was so much mud there and just, it was just different. So um, because of the races, I guess I started doing after that were all of those outdoor races. That's kind of why I I considered it more of my first and it was my first elite wave. So um, just a little bit different in terms of um, competition and stuff too. I think I kind of got like... Not lucky, but like in a way, I was so brand new that nothing caught up to me yet. So I had this great 2016, 2017 season. And then almost like immediately off the bat in 2018, I, I got injured because I was just overdoing it like crazy. And because I had never been a runner. And so I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, my volume was just like incredibly high at the time in 2018. And just like, I wasn't ready for that. So I think that it was because I was so new and I'd never done this that I just like exponentially took off. Um, and the things I was doing, I think like, I didn't know what I, what I was doing for training really. I was just like, Oh, we carry heavy stuff. So I'm just going to carry this huge construction log that I found. And I'm just going to carry it up this mountain for a mile and then do it again. You know, it was just stuff like that, that I was just like, I like carrying heavy stuff. So I'm just going to go do that. And then just kind of run here and there and strength train. And, um, you know, I and I did a lot of research, like I saw like what other pros were doing and stuff like that. But really, it was just kind of like, what I wanted to do. And I feel like I've always just had this like, I don't know, garage workout mentality of just like, I'm going to find what I can use and, um, you know, just kind of go in the mountains and just kind of go with what I'm feeling that day. And, um, just kind of how I think, I don't know. It was just like, I'm I just simulated the races as much as possible, I guess. Like did a lot of heavy carrying, did a lot of like, um, I was doing compromised running at the time. Like I just heard you guys talking about this the other day. I was like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I was doing that the beginning. I would just do like burpees in the middle of a run and um, just like lunges and stuff like that. Cause just to break up the running. Cause I was like, I don't know. I I didn't love running at the time. It was just like, oh, I need to break this up and do something else. So I'm going to go do some pull-ups and then run again and then do some lunges and run again and burpees and stuff. So I just, I did a lot of stuff that was like in the races already and just tried to simulate that as much as possible.
0: I feel like I hear just like you're like, that's like intuitive, like working out, isn't it? Like, I feel like you, you guided yourself down the right path just off of intuition.
2: Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I never really like went off of any, you know, marathon training or not marathon, like 10 K training plans or like, I didn't know anything about track workouts, nothing. I just kind of like went out and did it. And, um, yeah, just kind of like, like you said, it was just all intuitive. It was like, this is kind of what I feel like I need right now. This is like my weakness and I'm so going to work on this now. And just kind of went with it for a while.
0: You know, what's impressive about that is like, it just, from what I know about softball, like you couldn't have probably come from a more opposite end of the spectrum sport. Like even if you're playing basketball or you're doing something else, like there's a lot of constant movement where in softball there isn't. So like to make that transition, to just jump into that, like, I don't know, completely unknowingly is, I don't know, makes it more impressive in my eyes.
2: Yeah, for sure. It's, 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 yeah, it is funny because they are so different and, the the furthest we ran, you know, is like sixty feet. You go from base to base, and I remember we'd have like our long run day, and it was like three miles, I think. And we would all just complain, we're like, "Oh, we never have to run this long in softball. Why do we have to do this?" Blah blah blah. And um, so, yeah, the running has never been something I ever really loved. And I think the biggest thing that I took away from, or the biggest um, comparison, I should say, was just the mental training, like it's softball is so incredibly mental. Like you have to just, you have to like get in and get out of situations. You have to be just constantly focused because the game can be slow. And, and so, you know, you got to like know when to focus and like what the next play is going to be and things like that. And then especially like, I've always kind of had like a hot temper. So if I'm like going up the bat. Right. And I strike out, like I, like back in the older days I'd be I'd be the one to like throw my helmet and like my (laughs) bat and stuff because I'd get so angry um so it was a lot of that kind of training too to be like to push stuff away so like you go to an obstacle and you fail you know and like what's your mental attitude going to be after that like Alyssa in high school would have been like well screw this I'm like I'm not going to run anymore I'm not even going to try but it was I think that kind of training that mental training that you know made me more resilient and made me um, just be able to focus on to the next player, the next situation and things like that. So I, I grew a lot mentally because of softball and a lot of things that I took away of like, you know, effort. There's so many things I hear my coach in my head all the time of just like, just, uh, she worked a lot on like, um, just this, like the whole uh, sports psychology. So um, I think I had a lot of that that I was able to take into training that totally translated. I mean, it's just for any sport you can use like that sort of uh, that sports psychology. So that that was really cool, and I'm very grateful for that.
1: Looking back, were there signs that there is an endurance athlete inside you? Were you that kid that like in FIAD would crack off a fast mile, or like were you always the best runner on your team, or or was just totally unknown to you?
2: I've always been super fast. Like, I've always had speed. And that's kind of why I'm thinking, like, stadium race series maybe this year. Um, for other reasons, too. But um, And I remember I, I would go and run with my dad as a kid. And, you know, I, I liked it enough. But um, it was always just speed stuff. Like, um, yeah, I would I would run, like, a really fast mile. And I played soccer. And I would say arguably soccer was my best sport. And I was a forward because I was the fastest on the team. And so I think it's, it's kind of been there. It's always been there. But it hadn't really um, ever had a chance to, to come out until now.
1: Yeah. Kirk Kirk and I were talking prior to this and there's almost been like two Alyssa's in your OCR career. There was the athletic powerhouse Alyssa. And then there was the Alyssa who is trying to become a, like the best runner she can become. And interestingly, your results, at least from an outsider, were pretty comparable in either style of training what what was that like on your end
2: yeah that's actually pretty true i feel like yeah 2016 and 17 i was just kind of like like you said that powerhouse of just like being able to knock everything out and then um in 2018 i got a coach a running coach and uh because i wanted to focus on that running and i lost a lot of strength <laughs> because i i didn't even have time to hardly focus on the strength stuff i wasn't hardly doing any strength training like lifting i should say or like not a ton of grip work and um but I think because I'm so naturally strong and because I had my construction job, I mean, I, I totally attribute that to, to keeping all that strength that I that I did have. So um, I think with that and then adding all my running, I was still able to to kind of keep that that same athlete still in a way um, because I, I was doing that construction at the same time, um, even though I think it almost killed me that year. Yeah. Um, it was really probably like my hardest year by far. Um but but yeah i think that was kind of able to kind of help me keep in check and then and then uh, last year i kind of i just kind of totally right off altogether i mean that was just kind of like my breaking point i think so
0: when did you feel the best in this training like which type of training did you feel the best in life and in general oh my
2: gosh 2017 was probably the best year of my life like in in all aspects and just like spartan wise and um i mean mainly spartan wise but like um, yeah, I just felt totally invincible that year. Like I had so much confidence. I felt like I was at, I know I was at the top of my game. I mean, that was the year I took third in worlds and, um, just had an incredible season and just kind of, um, yeah, I just, I literally just felt unstoppable. Like it was, um, and I was just having fun. Like I was having fun in all of my training and I wasn't worried about like, I don't know, like I would still kind of like me and Chelsea went on a lot of trips that year and I just kind of used that to just kind of go have fun and train in the mountains and runs and stuff like that and uh so um yeah I just had the most fun and and just just trained to have fun like it wasn't like like 2018 it was my job like it was like okay I'm gonna just run myself into the ground and try to be good and it was more of like this fear of like I wasn't gonna be as good almost like I think that I I just, yeah, I just tried too hard and I put too much pressure on myself and it just kind of blew up in my face a little bit. So, so yeah, just lots, lots of learning after 2017.
1: So, so what exactly were like, what was the structure of your training in 2017 outside of just loving it, which is obviously huge, enjoying training is key, but what was the balance like? Had you struck a perfect balance or were you just perfecting the balance you did
2: have? Oh my gosh. I'd have to like go back into my 2017 journal, but um I, off the top of my head, I don't really know. I think I was, I don't know. I was doing, I was doing running stuff, but it wasn't structured at all. Like I, I can't think of anything that was all that structured then. Um, I did kind of get, how was that a year? No, I was trying to think if I had a coach that year. And I, I think that was the one year I didn't have a coach. And if I did, I'm sorry for whoever was coaching me. <laughs> but in 2016, I I, I had a coach because I was at a, like a crossfit gym here. And he was kind of training me a little bit. Um, but yeah, 2017, I was just like, I'm just going to do what I want to do and just have, and it's like, I kind of went back to that first year I was training, like before 2016 and just went back to all that stuff that I was doing. And it was just all just kind of intuitive. And I don't know, I just had this, like just such passion and drive that I just kind of went with it. And, um, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly what I was doing. It was just still a lot of that, like just kind of carrying stuff up the mountain. And, um, I would just do like, just add a lot of like to speed work into my running. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was just kinda like, okay, I'm gonna do this fast today or whatever, or, like do these hills or I don't know. Um it was just kind of kind of all over the place. I don't I don't see there's any structure at all. <laughs> so then
1: looking back to your happiest time versus your, I assume your least happy, which is injury. Yeah. What does yeah. that what has the marriage of those two experiences uh created moving to 2020 for you?
2: Um, well, I think you know, like 2017 fun. Um, top of my game, all that kind of stuff. And then it was just kind of humbling when I got that injury. I was like, okay, like I actually need to do stuff to recover. Like, cause I wasn't doing any of that stuff. So that was the biggest takeaway I think was like, like, I, I just have to be smart. And it was just learning about what works for me. Like I realized I can't run 70 miles a week. Like that's just not me. And um, I realized that I didn't really need to do that anyways. Like I was never doing that before. And yeah. So I think it was just kind of like this, um, I don't know, like um, just learning, I guess, you know, how my body works and um what kind of styles of training work for me and um, just the whole recovery aspect um, and just that I just need to take more care of my body because I run it into the ground so much. So um, just, yeah, a lot of learning and learning experiences and research and stuff. You
0: know, injuries are inevitable in this sport. I think obviously we've all experienced yeah. them and you, just because you started it later than a lot of other people, I think you're just like behind the curve that way. Like I've been yeah. injured how many times through, through college, after college, and you're just kind of getting your first really big speed bump. And that first speed bump sucks ass. It is the worst because you've been invincible for years and now you're learning to cope and, and modify. And it becomes this whole new, like development of an athlete. I feel like I'm sure you've had, yeah, I'm sure it's been quite an exercise both in like physical strength and mental fortitude. I feel like when you go through that first speed bump
2: absolutely absolutely yeah and I know everybody everybody's gonna it's it it is like you said inevitable in this sport but I think a lot of it could have been preventable for me in a lot of ways um I was just kind of just just not just so worried about training and getting my runs in that I was just like putting recovery and stuff to the side and I wasn't even thinking about it I was just like I have to go do this run and it wasn't like all these red flags would be there but I would just ignore them and be like I'm just gonna run through them and so um, yeah, a, a lot of that kind of learning. So that kind of stuff, I think, is is preventable. But I mean, they are going to be inevitable in a lot of ways.
0: So what are you doing for recovery then? Why don't we just talk about that real quick? <laughs> what are you putting into that right now? Because that's the hardest part of training is that <laughs> type of crap. So what are you what are you doing?
2: I literally hate it with a passion. I hate it. I I I, I try to find things that I like, but it's just it is it is so hard for me. Um, let's see. So I'm trying at first it was kind of like, like my first year that I got injured, I was just like, I'm going to go get all these massages and go to PT and stuff. And like, I really relied on like other people to kind of fix me and chiropractor and stuff like that. And um, when I was doing my taxes, I was like, Oh my gosh, I spent so much money. (laughs) Like, it's not okay. And a lot of stuff I could do on my own. So I'm like, I'm very grateful for like going to PT and stuff. But you know, in the end, I I can take those exercises and do, do that stuff on my own. Um, so right now I it's just, um, just like foam rolling and stretching, just stuff like that. And I, I got a, um, a cupping set too, because, um, uh, I I had my, my massage therapist use it once and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And this is something I can do. Like, I like to just be able to like, I have to turn on the TV or listen to a podcast or something so I can just like have something to like get me through it. Um, so I'll just like turn on a show and that's like my 30 minutes to, roll out, stretch, whatever. Um, And like recently I've had some IT band issues and I just want to say that cupping has been amazing. Like it's just been the only thing that's helped it. So um, for all you out there who are dealing with IT band issues, get a cupping set. Um, But so I would say the majority is just like foam rolling and stretching and making sure that I do it I'm really good about doing it before. Like my warmups are really good before now, like glute activation, you know, going over stuff that's tight, I know is just like a weakness of mine. Um, I'm just really bad about doing it after. And I think that's kind of been my biggest thing recently. So it's, it's just simple stuff. I mean, I don't think it has to be super fancy, um, but it's just, it's just actually doing it. So that's pretty much it.
0: And I assume you've gotten better at listening to your body too, huh?
2: Mm-hmm. When it says, don't like be
0: an it. idiot and run today. You're like, fine, I'll go. On yeah.
2: Yep, exactly, exactly.
1: So you mentioned a few minutes back that you are transitioning. Are you transitioning to stadiums or are you including stadiums?
2: I will be doing stadiums um, only pretty much this year. Uh, The only caveat to that is I'm going to do the world championships in Dubai. So (laughs) I didn't really realize I had to qualify for that. So I was like, oh, crap, now I got to do... I think what I'm going to have to, well, I don't know now how it's going to work, but I was, my plan was to do Montana and then do Tahoe against my own will and then go to Dubai. So um, it's going to be stadiums and then just qualifying to get to world championships pretty much. And then I'll do some decas in there. And then once high rock starts back up, I'll do that too. Wow. But yeah, pretty much. That's a big shift. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I'm, I, I messaged you the other day cause I was like, my mentality is like, okay, I'm going to do, I have to do stairs. I'm going to do stairs all day, every day, because that's what I need to get good at. And I, I don't, I need to like, I know from past experiences, like you don't need to go all in and do that every day. So it's kind of just trying to figure out, you know, that different, it's just totally different training now, I feel like, but I have, the reason I kind of decided to do that was because a, like my injuries, like all this running and stuff, I was like, I I don't know if I could do that this year. I'm still kind of coming back from all of that. And, I want to be smart. And the, the shorter stuff or the workouts and stuff I've been doing are like shorter and more explosive and, um, strength-based. So I was like, I think with all the, cause that's all I was doing like this summer was just assault bike and barbells and dumbbells and rowing and stuff like that. So I was like, well, I've already been doing all of this stuff anyways. So I think that would translate really well to stadiums because they are so short and, um, and yeah, with the injuries and then just being like, going back to that, you know, how I've always kind of been naturally fast. So um, yeah, I'm hoping it kind of plays out, but still kind of learning about, you know, how to, how to train for it all too. It's just different.
0: Bracken, how much, uh, how much would you say just because she said speed's a weakness of hers? How, how important is speed in a stadium race? What do you, what do you got there? Do you think it's top of the top of the barrel or do you think it inverts more important? You know, I think it's important, but I think
1: it's less important than what people initially believe. I think the ability to redline is more important than the ability to run a fast mile or 5K. But (laughs) I also think that they go together. Like if you're in shape for a good mile or 5K, then you're also just running a little bit with less effort in a stadium than you would be if you were slower. So I think they're, they're important. When I'm in my best stadium shape, I'm doing speed work, but I'm not. I don't. I still don't think we run much faster than 10k pace in a stadium. It's just that it's bursty to get back up to 10k each time you come out of a out of a turn or a set of stairs, and so it's more about being able to constantly break rhythm and get back to a moderately fast run than it is to be able to just blaze up the track. Like stadium right. is just one long compromised run. That's all it is. Yeah. And yeah. is a and Alyssa's right. There are a lot of stairs. And, and I kind of treat the stairs like downhills, where in the prep for a stadium in the off season, so to speak, um, I do a big block of stair work. And then I do maintenance and sharpening stair work throughout the year.
2: That makes yeah, sense. Because awesome. uphills makes, and
1: stairs really drive from the same power source you know, but the technical skill of it and the actual impact going downstairs, I put in a good block of it. And then throughout the year, I'll probably do half. If if I'm in stadium mode, like half of my interval or compromised running work is done with stair intervals rather than flat intervals. But yeah, once I'm in season, I'll probably, I probably do stairs two or three times a week total. And that includes like a easy day on the stairs and a quality session on the
2: stairs. Are you talking about stair mill or you actually go somewhere with stairs? Uh,
1: Well, I didn't have a stair mill until this year. I found the greatest deal in the history of sports equipment (laughs) deals. I got a stair mill for $200. Oh
2: my gosh.
1: (laughs) It was the gym was just getting rid of their old one and it was too big and heavy. No one wanted to come pick it up. So there's like $200, (laughs) our best offer. And I was like, I'll give you 200. I'll take it right now. So I've been doing that. And I'm in actually a stair block right now. I've been doing... um. Uh, 2,500 feet of, of stair work each morning to get ready for that. But as soon as it gets nice out, then yeah, it, I'll be doing at least 50% of my stair work outside so that I get the downstairs approach. Because like we talked about, Alyssa, it's just like downhill running and on a mountain. Like you can do all yeah. the gym work you want, but until you pair that with the technical skill of really bombing downstairs, it's, it doesn't quite translate. So I'll, I'll get the downstairs as soon as we don't have snow and ice.
2: Yeah. Um, I was thinking too that, I don't know, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like there's a lot of athleticism that goes into the stadium races. Like you're constantly like side to side shifting and pivoting and speeding up and slowing down and stuff like that. And um, just kind of wondering, I don't don't know if you do any of like sort of, um, what do you call it? Like, you know, like ladder work and things like that or?
1: I don't, I probably should. When I was at my best, I was doing a lot of jump rope work. But okay, uh, yeah. we, we have uh the Wisconsin State Fair Park is like four hundred meters from my house and they have all these exhibit halls, indoor and outdoor. And one of them are they have several outdoor halls where it's just like eighty meters long of just aisles with a overhang over the top. It's like this giant pavilion but with no walls. Um, but there's like cattle stalls throughout the whole thing. And so I'll do OCR four hundreds or I'll do even do thousand meter intervals, but Every 80 meters, I'm turning back and forth and going down the next one. So it's just constant start, stop, start, stop. So I do more of that than actual like athletic drill work. But I don't think there's such a thing as like erring on the side of too much plyo. Like if you can handle it and you recover plyo, I think is going to help you a ton.
0: Totally. Yeah, that makes sense. When did you have your like your, I don't know, aha moment or sort of coming to Jesus conversation where you with yourself where you were like, yeah, I got to go to the short course now. Like, <laughs> did you have like a tipping point there or something that happened and you were like, if it was the injury or whatever it was?
2: Um, yeah, it was probably probably when I was training for HyRox. Rocks. Um, I know there was an exact moment. I can't think of like when exactly it was, but um, I, I think it was actually like when they released the the series and stuff like that. And I was just thinking about what I was going to do. And I remember that they released the um, the national series and I was just like, I just was just like not excited. Like I saw the schedule and it just didn't excite me. And I was like, okay, something's wrong with that. Like I, I kind of need to assess this. Like why doesn't it excite me and stuff? And like a lot of it was because like the races were kind of the same and I was just like, I've been doing this for so long. Like what, what do I really want to do this year? And like, what have I been working on? And it just kind of hit me that I was just like, oh yeah, there's this whole, like there's other series out there. There's a lot. And I was like kind of looking into those. And then when I saw the stadiums, I was like, well, I really liked the first one that I did and then I was like well yeah I've been doing all this kind of training and then like I said before like with injury and stuff like I think Maybe I'm a little scarred from the last two seasons too that I, and maybe that's why it was just kind of like this fear thing of, of or worry I guess of going into the national series again too, um, but yeah, I was just like, I think this might be a good idea. This might be something I can do, and I, I'm kind of the person too. I need to like, I just need to change things up too. I can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, um, so. So yeah, it was. I I would probably say around yeah, and um, when the schedules came out like around December, or so um, that I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do this.
0: So cool. It seems like like in, uh, the the U.S. National Series have, has kind of been treated like the Holy Grail of the racing like schedule. And this season, it doesn't feel that way. It actually feels like there's a lot of athletes similar to you who are saying, I'm gonna pursue a specific modality and go that way. Do you, I mean? I, it seems like a, a lot of our like we have the Ultra Series, we have the Stadium Series, we have. Uh, Deck of fit, high rocks, all that stuff. Um, I think it's cool. That's how it should have been all along. And we're finally getting there, right? It's okay. To I
2: totally, yeah. yeah, I totally agree. When I saw all like the ultra and stadiums and national and all that kind of stuff, I was like, this is so cool because there are so many different types of races. So why not specialize? Like somebody, some guy made this post, I'm not going to call him out, <laughs> but um, he made this post about how, and he called out another guy and he was like one of the top, pro racers and he was like um you know it's just it's really disappointing to see um other guys go into the stadium series or, or go into what did he say it was like um going to less favorable races because it's like easier because it's like easier money and less competition and stuff and i was uh. it just pissed me off because i was just like no like if they're allowing us to specialize then why not specialize like if that's what you want to go and do and that's what you think you'll be good at then go and do it i don't think it has anything to do with like less competition or whatever, like hell the stadium season is, or series is less money. Like, you know, so, um,
1: well there's ducking the competition and then there's doing the thing that you're good at and that you enjoy. Yeah.
2: Yeah exactly and that's that's what it came down to for me and I think with a lot of people that's and and I'm hoping that it does allow people to specialize because then it will become more competitive like this is just the beginning that we have all these these different series so it's still pretty new and I think over time you know we will see it maybe being just as big as the national series I don't know but I, I think um, it's it's a really cool start to all of that
1: I've seen this trend in the age group and open wave too where you're starting to hear a lot of people saying you know what the series was like I was so all in on it and hit as many trifecta as i can and see all the different places but i've seen them all i've done it all the it's getting easier because we're better at obstacles now like it's there's no challenge it's not as exciting as it used to be so yeah i'm going to try high rocks or i'm going to try Ultras or whatever it is i think you're starting to see also the masses start to say we've seen this all before i'm going to try something new and i think from both ends of the spectrum pro to open it's really important because no not nobody but like this isn't this gigantically lucrative, you know, process. Endurance sports inherently are not rich, <laughs> like making everyone rich. And yeah. the only thing that matters is if you're happy. and Yeah, them. agreed.
2: And I, I like how you said with the open perspective too, because that's kind of been, I don't know, My me, and my dad talked about this a lot and he was saying like, you know, um, like, basically spartan was kind of at this like tipping point of like they need to do something else if they're going to stay alive because everyone's already doing the same races and that you know they're they they're going to get bored of them you know eventually and so i think that's kind of a way to keep the sport alive and just keep it fun and just like having those so many different options for everybody um to tr- go and try new things and train differently and stuff is, is is really cool
0: i had a conversation with an athlete of mine yesterday he said man we got to talk i got some things to run by you And he said, I've come to the realization as hard as I've tried over the years that like, I'm never going to run a fast 5k. It's just not on my wheelhouse. And I keep trying, I went to Jacksonville and I don't feel good about my performance. And I realized (coughs) they will put me in the mountains and I can grind for five hours. And so I feel like when you try to mix everything up and follow the series, sometimes like you're never hitting your true potential in any one specific thing. So we, we landed on all right, we're going to completely 180 your season and we're going to pursue the ultra series and let's let you shine and let's focus on it. And I feel like when you make a decision to do the stadium races, for example, I mean, talk about already being in somewhat of your wheelhouse with the type of training you do. Like, why not actually find out how high your ceiling can go in one specificity? And I I waffle constantly about, should I stick to my flatter, faster races or should I sit here and try to force feed mountain races to myself and figure it out? You know, I think a lot of people wrestle with that.
2: Yeah, definitely, and yeah, something I've yeah obviously wrestled with too, and um, yeah, so who knows? Like maybe I don't, maybe I'm not going to the stadiums, and maybe next year I try ultras or whatever. You know, like it's just the the doors are open, so um, it's cool that everyone gets to pick that.
1: It was interesting for me that the moment World Championships left Killington, elite stopped going there for the most part. Everyone had always talked that like this is the ultimate test that they, they should keep it here forever, but the moment they took away the prestige of it. It was an open class race like people wanted to challenge yeah. themselves went out and did it but there were so few people that that fit their skill set that they're like, why would I go to and I, I think the same thing's gonna happen in Tahoe and the same thing will happen in Dubai like it's it's really impressive to talk about yeah, you should do it for the love of it and everyone should challenge themselves when it's in your wheelhouse and when there's prestige. but if they if they took the world championship away from a mountain beast and put it on a flat sprint or a stadium or a hilly like super, Immediately everyone would start talking about like this is the race that everyone needs to come to. Not because it's more impressive <laughs> or challenging, just because it's prestigious. And so far yeah. our sport's been kind of uh under the shadow of the mountain beast. And so it's it's it can be seen as hiding to leave that. But I guarantee if that wasn't the world championship, people would say, Why would
0: you force yourself to run mountains if you're not good at it? That
2: is so true. Yeah, that is very true. I never thought of it that way. Uh,
0: Alyssa, what do you think if you look back like on your career so far, uh you've been third at Tahoe. You've been fourth in the U.S. National Series how many times? Mm-hmm. I think you were leading oh leading the mountain series uh last year, the year before. So you can mm-hmm. do long stuff. You can do and you've done well in short stuff. I asked Jack Jack Bauer for some of your stats. He's uh he always comes in clutch with that. And you're like <laughs> you're seventh all all time all time for wins already. You have <clears throat> the fourth most Uh, wins in the sprint fourth most podiums all time It has some big names like Lindsay Webster and all these people. Uh, So you've proven yourself over a number of like distances. Uh, If you really had to tell us what are you best at? Like if you put all your eggs in one basket and you were going to be reach your ceiling in this sport, which one would it be? Would it be ultras? Would it be mountains? Would it be stadium?
2: That's a great question. Um, hmm.
0: Hard to hard to answer.
2: It is hard to answer because I I don't, it's hard because I don't know yet because I don't know how I'm going to do in these, these stadiums too. Um, but looking back over all of it, I think uh, I really have to say maybe the longer stuff is what I've kind of been better at. Like the, just the long grinds. Like I feel like I've kind of always performed well at Tahoe because like mentally I'm able to really get through it in some way. Like, um, And just be able to go out there and grind. I don't think I'm the best mountain runner by any means. And I think that's kind of why I wanted to steer away from them. Because especially now, like with just all of so much more competition than kind of when I started was, um, or I I just don't know how great of a mountain runner I really am. I just don't see that being a huge wheelhouse. But I think the fact that I can grind and just continue to chip away and just keep going is makes the longer runs or the longer like mountain stuff um, in my wheelhouse quite a bit. Um, I, I've, I haven't really been to the point in like those short stadium, like 30 minute red lines. I don't know how I'm going to do with that. Cause it's totally different. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But if, yeah, if I had to say it would be, yeah, the, the long beast mountains kind of stuff, but, um,
1: well, exactly what you talked about with from softball teaching you to immediately discard a negative experience and refocus on the next one. That mm-hmm. is the single outside of being a great mountain runner. That's the most important skill in Tahoe. Everyone gets to the top of the mountain, really tired, you get cold and wet, and then you're sitting like 10 places further back than you're used to being in a normal race because the whole world's there. And it's so easy at that point to be like, my race is done, I'm already tired, I can't make a move. And then that big heavy carry comes and then the race starts after that. But yes. very few people get to that carry like, all right, now we go. Usually it's, I'm already tired, I'm cold, and look at how far back I am. I don't even know who that person is ahead of me.
0: <laughs> if you're like,
1: all right, that's done. Time to move on to my next strength. Suddenly you can attack sure. and be a second half racer in Tahoe, which is huge. And that skill is indispensable in a stadium. Because yeah, so many exactly. things happen back and forth, it's just constantly yo-yoing. And if someone gets okay. gapped, they're like, well, I know what happens in a race. I get gapped and I never catch back up. That's not necessarily true in a stadium, but it's true if you believe it.
2: Yeah, exactly. And exactly like what you said in those, in those mountain races, I've always just kind of had this mentality of like, I'll come back eventually. Like I'm always been a second half racer. And I think it's because I've been able to like mentally just like put myself in that place. Like I'm going to come back, I'm going to come back and I'm going to, I got this coming up next and I'm going to do this. So yeah, like in the stadium, I don't know how I'm going to perform because it's going to be totally different mental side of things. So yeah, that'll be We'll have to have another podcast after that. (laughs) We like
0: our lessons learned podcast. We like, (laughs) we like to go into those. So maybe we'll have to have one of those.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'd like that.
0: (laughs) Uh, um, Melissa, I wanted to shift the conversation a little bit and talk about like being an an openly gay athlete in this sport and, Mm -hmm. and how that, how that experience has been. Um, do you feel like that, that would change your, your experience in Spartan racing or when you were playing softball? Um, versus, if you weren't weren't a gay athlete, or do you feel like like could it be more enriching or less, or do you feel like it would it would feel any different? Um, um,
2: yeah, connect- connections question.
0: you've made with people, or yeah, life, the conversations you've had, things like that.
2: Um, well, I, I guess I think more than anything, it's been um, it's kind of been good for me. I, I didn't really realize like how big of a deal it was it's just kind of always been like a part of me and so um i don't know like it never really i never really noticed anything differently at first because i i started dating chelsea in 2017 and so i never really like came out or anything it was just kind of like hey here's my girlfriend and we're doing all these fun things together so um it nothing really kind of changed at first um but i think more recently i've started to like embrace that role and just realize how many other people there are racing that I can kind of connect with and stuff. And I've had a lot of people like message me on Instagram and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, like we, you talk about like your brand on social media and like who you are and stuff. And I never really kind of thought of that as something I can um, hone in on. And so I guess it's been more recently that I've, like I said, like started to kind of embrace that role and being like, like, it's okay. And that, you know um, you know, just being that top person too of people, someone that people can look up to has been really, really cool. And I think I've made quite a, quite a bit of connections because of that. And, um, yeah, so it's just, it's cool. Like it's, it's been nothing but really like positive things, which has been awesome. I think in the beginning I was really scared and, um, just kind of like how people would take it and how it might affect like my athletic career and stuff. And, Um, I was actually kind of encouraged, like not to put that part of my life on social media. Um, and I was like, by, by somebody close to me and I was like, you know what, like, this is a part of my life and I'm just going to race because I want to race. And, you know, I don't think it should change anything. And it didn't, And if anything, it was an amazing thing. And like I said, like people or you know other girls or whoever who are struggling have have been able to come and talk to me and stuff so um yeah I think it's just been awesome and just a way that I can connect to not just the Spartan community but that certain like gay part of the Spartan community too
0: yeah well you can be a role model in more ways than just being an athlete obviously I had a a, when I look when I think about now I don't I don't know a ton about you we don't know each other terribly well but I've watched like the Spartan highlight reels and some of your backstory and what I kind of sensed is like, I don't know, that that process. And, and again, I'm, I'm speaking out of a small knowledge base here, like like your relationship with your father, how it was like a tough, it was kind of a, a, an interesting time when you were, I don't know, like, here's my girlfriend and your dad's like, I don't know yeah. how to handle this. like don't, yeah. Do you feel like it's made relationships in your life closer because ultimately you have a better understanding of each other or has it done the opposite or how's that
2: gone? Yeah. Um- I, I was actually thinking about this last night. We we went over. Uh, me and Chelsea went over, and we brought some food to my dad because, you know, the whole quarantine thing. <laughs> and yeah. um, so, and I was just like, this is crazy. Like, if you would have told me, like, back in back in 2015 when I moved home, I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna be single for the rest of my life because I can never tell my family. <laughs> and you know, lo and behold, I met Chelsea, and I was like, okay, so there's, you know, some reals going on here. And. It was really rough at first. I mean, a lot of people have it way, way, way worse. Um and I so, you know, I'm I'm pretty blessed in that aspect that my whole family still love me. But um if anything, yeah, it had it has brought us all closer. And, you know, we've had to have hard conversations and just just get through just um you know, just these issues in a way. And so um yeah, it's definitely brought us a lot closer. My dad's just like total one eighty. Like incredible. It's just and you know, it's just, I I don't even know how it happened. Like it just has. And it's just been, been really cool. Um, just to get through all that and my whole family has been amazing. I mean, I, yeah, I never even thought I'd be getting married in front of my family. I was like, if I ever do, I'm just going to go away and get married. And you know, it was just the most incredible day of my whole life. And, um, so I really, I do thank them and I feel very, very blessed to all have them and that, um, I have had it so good. Um, so yeah, it's just been, been, um, yeah, it's been great. Like, like nothing I ever would have expected. So it's definitely brought us all all closer together for sure. And they've really surprised me. I'll put it that way. (laughs) I
1: I wondered about the the backlash you faced from, from different areas of your supporting crew, whether it's social media, family, um, your, your your community, because Mm -hmm. you are not just one of the most visible openly gay OCR athletes, you are probably the most outspoken Christian as well on social media. I mean, that's your, your, your your Instagram handle is the Christian warrior. And obviously there's some dichotomy there. You know, those are two ends of the spectrum in our society right now where the, the Christian faith is very much (laughs) against Mm -hmm. homosexuality in most pockets of the country. And so like, did you have an immediate backlash there? Did you lose followers? Was it your family or your church? Like, did you run into outside factors with this?
2: Yeah. Um, I'm not going to go too much into it, but I um, I think, I don't remember, it was some post that I made or something. And I had a couple of people reach out to me and basically saying that, um, that like God didn't want me to do this and stuff like that. And it shook me up so bad, like really bad. It's been, like I think it was last year during this during this time actually that I was just like just this spiritual warfare that was like almost unbearable. Like I can't. It's just hard to even even go into. Um, but so that's that's been a huge huge struggle. It's like because I was already out as a Christian, you know, and um, and then being like, oh, here's my girlfriend. Like I'm. I know people are like. There's a lot of people who still are just not going to agree with that, and that's okay. Like it's just I've I've had to really like kind of learn or just, I guess, not worry about so much of what other people think. That was my biggest thing is like, especially once I started getting big on social media and like, I came out like just as this big Spartan racer and I was, um, like a public figure kind of now, um, just realizing like, you know, how many people saw like what I was doing and stuff like that. I really kind of started to worry, like, what do the people think? Like, what should I post? That's like this, you know, it's just like, you just kind of almost get sucked into that. And, um, So that was a big thing for me. Is like, what are other people gonna think? And you know, when I got those messages, I was just like, oh my gosh! Like, what am I doing? Like, I I don't even know what I believe at this point. And so it was a lot of just like, like I said, that spiritual warfare. And I eventually got through it, and I'm, I'm, I'm content and I'm good and now. But um, I know a lot of other people are going through that too. And it's actually had someone reach out to me the other day who said she was also a Christian and and struggling with that. And I, I just had a lot of conversations with other people and, um, a lot of like my own research and my own praying and stuff like that. And that I was able to, to come through it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's been a challenge, but I think I'm more of an, a place now of where I truly do know what I believe. And I'm more like sound in myself where I was not in that place this time last year. So, um, yeah. I mean, hopefully anyone who's listening to this, you know, if you do want to reach out in a positive way, go for it. If you want to reach out in a negative way, I'm not gonna'm not gonna say anything to you. You can have your own beliefs. but um, you know that's just that's just where I'm at. And um, yeah, it's been a struggle, but I feel you know I'm,
0: I feel like if you share your truths with the world and your friends and everything like that, whatever your truths may be, it doesn't even matter. It just like tightens your circle and you sit with more peace and you can be who you are without questioning everything you say and do. It's like, just be you and whoever doesn't like you, like fuck them and and live your truth, right? I feel like it would just bring your life more center. I don't know. That's how
2: I feel. And what I realized too, as I was like, okay, not only are people like disagreeing with me on you know, being a gay Christian athlete, there was tons of other things too. Like I was like, not everyone is going to agree with everything you do. And this was just another part of it, you know, like it was just, just something else. And I I made it the biggest thing, but really I realized, you know, like everyone's going to have an issue with something like, you know, there's, there's so many other like religions and practices and philosophies and things out there that, you know, like you said, you just, you just got to do you.
1: How much of an impact do you think that had on your season last year? The stress, the, the emotion, the, the, the drag on you
2: um quite a bit i think um because yeah it was i mean not only am i stressing myself exercising but it was also that whole thing that was going on like i couldn't even um yeah it was hard to even like focus on training like it like i could never like get away from it you know so i think that um kind of pulled me away from um yeah, like what I need to do in training, but also I think maybe it even led to injury too, because, you know, stress does ca- cause a lot of, um, or can cause, you know, be attributed to injury and stuff. So, um, so who knows, but it, it was, it was, um, yeah, some rough times, but, um, I do want to say that I, so I was like church hopping for a while and trying to figure it out, like where I was going to go. And I did find one that was like progressive and very open and, and all that. And they even go to like pride parades and stuff like that. So that's, that's been the best thing that happened last year was after we found that, like, um, I think that was the biggest thing was realizing, Oh my gosh, like there are people who, who like will, I guess like not stand up for me, but they they have the same beliefs, you know, and I can go to those places that do have those same beliefs and not, you know, I think that was really hindering me too, is going to a church that I was just like, Oh my gosh, like they're just totally judging us right now. And whether they were or weren't, I don't know, but that was also playing into the factor. So now that I've kind of found that it's, um, it's just been a lot more empowering.
0: You seem to be somebody that's really good at working on yourself.
2: You're, you've mentioned, you mentioned. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, well, you've
0: mentioned like a number of times, like, uh, "Oh, I'm working on this," or "I've," you know, like, "I'm coming <laughs> a, a piece of that." Do you laugh? Do you not? Do you not agree with you me? No,
2: I do laugh because I, I I am constantly working on myself, and it's sound It's just like that's so funny you mentioned that because I didn't even notice that I was saying all that. But like, well, I'm picking up. on it. I constantly am. And I'm constantly analyzing like what I'm doing and how I'm acting and like how I can be better all the time. And sometimes it just drives me absolutely crazy to where it's just like backfires on me. But yes, I'm always speaking out ways I can make myself better. So I can help make other people better.
0: <laughs> so what are you what are you working on now? If you don't mind me um, asking anything?
2: That's a great question. I think just more just like, especially in this time right now is just like compassion and kindness. Um, and just I think just like, um, meeting people where they're at, because when I first kind of started like training at the gym, um, I don't, I don't know, maybe I had this like expectation that I was going to be like working with only athletes or something. I don't know. And I realized like so many people like didn't even know like what your hamstring was and like, they didn't know how to do a squat, you know? So it's been a lot of like that journey of like just meeting people where they're at and just just having more compassion for people and where they're at and like people cause I've never really had to deal with like weight loss or anything like that. And now a lot of my clients at the gym, you know, that's something they struggle with. And I'm just like, it's just, it was hard for me to wrap my brain around at first because I'm like, like it's not that hard just eat right and exercise, you know, but it's not for people. Like it's a lot of mental and stuff. So it's just like, just, yeah, just trying to, um, just trying to be better for people and just like, just be kind and just be more compassionate. And especially right now, like with all the, the crap that's going on and um, just, you know, just trying to be there and be my best, so.
0: That's, um, that's something that when, I left my corporate job in 2010 and started my training business. And I remember early on people would walk in the door and I'd be like, just do like, just do it. Like, why can't you, like, it just, you just do mm-hmm. it. Like, that's how this works. And over the years, I mean, now I completely can look through at the world through their eyes. I can understand their life situation, mm-hmm. being more compassionate. And and just, uh, I think that's a really good thing to work on. That's going to make you a damn better trainer. I'll tell you that.
2: <laughs> for sure. For sure.
0: Brecken, what advice would you have for somebody who can't keep bad food out of their mouth? Oh,
2: man. I'm the wrong person <laughs> to talk to about that. Mr. Uncrustables. i to talk about Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. I-
1: it's tough because, man, those... Impulse and urge based weaknesses are so difficult to fix because it's, you, people talk about like the hardest thing to stay away from is availability. Well, impulses are constantly available. Like it doesn't matter if you're not, like if you're isolated from the problem, if you're the problem, you know, when your impulse control is the biggest factor, that's so difficult. And no, there is, there is no blanket advice other than have a support system around you and set minute, tangible goals so that you can constantly like inch upwards.
0: Not bad. Is that how you approach it with your clients? If uh somebody's working at, towards something specific, whether it's weight loss or I want to start exercising, do you have like a general philosophy or do you go by case basis?
2: Ah, uh, well... Um- Good. No, that's you. <laughs> Who are you asking?
0: I was, I was asking Alyssa because she's the health professional here. But Good. Bracken, it, you. if you I want to answer it. this,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa, go. All right. Well, I I would say it is kind of case by case for sure. But um, I think as a whole, it is, like you said, those minute goals. It's just small things. And that's going to vary from person to person, depending on what they're struggling with. Um, Whether it's, you know, you want to get a pull up, well, you know, there's steps to take to get there, run a faster mile or whatever, or just eating healthier. You know, it's, it's, I don't know, I feel like the research has proven that, you know, if you just go on these diets that, you know, after 30 days, you're just going to kind of go back to your old habits. So um, it's making those small lifestyle changes and having small goals to reach towards. And then another small goal after you reach that and just kind of building and building and building until you can kind of maintain all that.
0: Yeah. I would say, you know, one large goal, whether it's, I want to lose a hundred pounds or I want to do a pull up is the sum of a bunch of tiny, tiny, tiny goals along the way. Whether my goal is I'm going to set my alarm 30 minutes earlier so I can get up and walk for a half hour before work. Like you were people worry about the big picture and really they need to worry about what am I going to have for lunch? when am I going to squeeze my workout in today? And that's some total of days on days. Uh, it's just my philosophy, build to a real result. Um, do you have, speaking of like at a, a results or do you have, a, Brecken and I like to ask about this. Do you have like a, going back to you, like an overarching training philosophy that you abide by? Because you, you're, I don't know, you've trained yourself intuitively. So what's your, mm-hmm. what, do you have a
2: philosophy? Well, give me an example on like your, like your philosophy.
0: Like an example of a philosophy would be, well, I believe in the simplest sense, I believe that, you know, long, slow distance can still cater fast speed work. So I think that running long and slow is pivotal to racing a fast 5k. It could be as simple as that where yours could be. I think the very varying of training and the more variation, something like that. When you look at it as a whole, you look at your week, what pieces do you all try to make sure in there, I guess?
2: Well, I think, um, one, one thing that kind of came out to mind was that I, I don't think you need to be running a ton of miles to be a good, a good runner. Um, I don't like, and maybe, I don't even think that was me specifically learning that. I think it was just seeing, um, just other, other people too. Um, but yeah, I don't think you need to be running, you know, like just 70 plus miles a week all the time just to be a good runner and to be good at the sport. Um, but I would say I I think um, I'm along with you. Like, I think the long runs are important and I thoroughly enjoy the long runs. Um, But it's just, yeah, just keeping it mixed up and not um, just one thing I've had to learn is like not going hard all the time. Um, Just having more of that balance of, you know, your hard days and then taking your easy days actually easy. Because, and I remember again, when I was again doing all those miles, it was like I was doing my really hard days. And they were really hard. And then my easy days, I was still running probably, you know, over 75% of my heart rate. And, um, but it felt easy to me, you know, and so it's really just, yeah, that, that uh, having your easy days easy and going after your hard days, but also, you know, just like listening to your body and stuff. But, um, and again, just like having that mix of stuff to do, like, I, I'm a huge component of strength stuff. So, I mean, that's going to always, always, always be in stuff when I'm, when I'm um, having clients, but long runs, you know, strength, strength mix with running. Um, and yeah, I'd say that's pretty much it.
1: Alyssa, I think we're going to see a trend back towards that in the sport over the next year or so. I think that a lot of people in the sport, myself included, Kirk included, uh, we, we hit this point where everyone that beats us is just faster than us. And you get good at obstacles, you come in strong or good at carries or whatever. And eventually you're just getting outrun. That's where your race is lost. And so we pour a ton of time into volume and running and you improve, but there are diminishing returns on that. And eventually we realize one of the diminishing returns is that we've stopped doing as much of the other thing. And I think a lot of people are going Mm -hmm. to, if not already, are going to get back to the more holistic approach. And our take on that is that if we were a singular modality sport, the higher amount of volume you can do in that one plane of movement, the better you're going to be. If you're a marathon runner, you can't do a ton of cross training because you're going to break down as the race goes on. But the more modalities that come in, the more you benefit from doing multiple things. And the more that you stagnate from doing a ton of one singular skill that you're not going to do unbroken in a race.
2: Yeah. And I think that's been really hard training for our sport, too, is there's so many things that we need to add in there. And I've struggled with that a lot is like, okay, I have to do two days every day because I have to do, you know, all these different things and fit it all in one week. And, you know, it's, yeah, like you don't have to pack every single thing into one week either. It's, you know, having like quality stuff. I think that's, that's, that's big is just making sure it's, it's quality.
0: I think we probably hit our bell lap here. Bracken's coined bell lap.
2: Mm -hmm. It's the bell
0: lap. Which means we're going to get rid of, all the anything we got left in our system, anything we got left in us. <laughs> um, Alyssa, I want to know. Um, you said you're doing stadiums and DECA and High Rocks. Is that your um, where are we going to see you next? Granted, let's say we're racing again in June. What What mm. do you got coming up?
2: The next, race? I, I oh, I can't even think of what the next race off, I think it's at ATT Stadium. Yeah. Yeah, I think would be the next one in June. Yeah. Um, and you know, assuming that everything's canceled until then, that would be that would be my first one back, I believe. Okay. My yeah,
1: question is, uh, I, I want since you, your, your your, expertise seems to be, at least in terms of applying it to your own training, the multi-modality workouts or the non-linear running workouts, give me two of your best bang for your buck OCR workouts, oh or maybe gosh. just your one favorite that you find yourself coming back to when you know you got to work and you've got to do something race-specific.
2: Oh my gosh. I don't even know if I can give you one. I have so many that it's just... It's almost like a hodgepodge. You guys are so good at being like, oh, these are my go-to races and or go-to workouts. Um,
0: your Instagram is full of different. I mean, every week I, I see it, something different. I don't think I've seen the same thing twice on your social media ever.
2: No, it's literally always different. Um, I would say, well, right now it's a lot of like tire pulling. So I'm doing at least once a week I'll do, I'll go to the track and I'll do, like yesterday I did 400 meter pull. And then a four hundred meter run, and then another week. It might be a thousand meter pull, a thousand meter. You've run, been talking to Dennis Wayne Welch. Like yeah, no, he's he's been training me. Okay, for, I was to say like that's a Dennis workout right there. Yep, and I actually do. I love, I do love the tire. I felt like that's that's helped me quite a bit over this whole um, injury thing. So I would say that's one. And then. Um, I love the assault bike, like assault bike is absolutely my go-to. I actually am very blessed to have one in my garage. So, um, I'll do like, um, assault bike and then I'll go run. Like I have like a, my neighborhood, just like 500 meters. And then I'll come back and do like, um, uh, like a, uh, what do you call them? Like a devil, devil's press, like dumbbell burpees. Mm -hmm. And then I'll go throw a spear, something like that. So, um, and I'll do that for like, you know, four or five, six rounds. So
0: sounds miserable. self like just (laughs) takes you right to that place immediately.
2: I know. I I love putting my clients on there for the first time because they're like, they're at first they're going and then they're like, Oh my gosh, I know why it's called that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Alyssa, um, any, uh, any sponsors or people that are supporting you that you want to shout out right now?
2: Um, you know, uh well, I will shout out Dennis cuz we talked about that. Um he's he's been really really awesome just in terms of like helping me through this injury and just giving me workouts and working around stuff and um, really just always constantly being like, how are you doing? Like just talking to me, um, about what's next and all that. Um, and then I'm partnering with Ascent again this year. So Ascent Protein, um, love them, working with them for the last couple of years now. Um, and just my family, my family is so awesome and it's just so, just nice to have them, especially during this time. And, um, just knowing that I have, you know, all that support here and just how they've always been there for me. Cool. Where can
0: people find you on social, Alyssa?
2: Um, I'm actually at Alyssa Holly 14 now on Instagram and Ooh, when did that change? I, am at, I changed it, um, a couple months ago oh, or man. no, it was maybe in the summer. I think <laughs> I know I changed it because and, <laughs> I know it's okay. I just, um, I feel like a lot of people, well, actually I didn't get as many people asking me about it as I thought they would. Maybe they're like scared to ask me, but really I just was like, I don't want any labels put on me. I could put Alyssa Holly gay athlete. I could, you know what I mean? Like I could put so many different things on there that I was just like. I'm Melissa Holly. And if you want to know about more who I am, just follow me, you know, kind of thing. So that that was really all that it was. And so, and then I'm on Facebook um, kind of here and there just as my name. So keep our eyes on it. Well, thanks for
0: joining us today. It's been
2: a great conversation.
1: And I'll see you in Dallas, hopefully.
2: Yeah.